The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other co-host, Donnie Cage. Aha, Mr. Cage. How's it going, sir? It's great. It's Friday, TGIF. There we go. Friday, Friday, Friday. We made it through another week. Hey, folks, if this is your first time listening to us, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button no matter which platform you're listening to us on. We are on 73 different audio platforms now, including Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Pandora, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage has his own podcast that he created and co-hosts. Sir, you want to go ahead and tell them a little bit about that? After a much longer delay than I anticipated, the Uncaged Voice podcast is officially going to be recording a new episode this evening, which will be posted later this weekend. It is myself, Jigsaw Jester, and Top Tier Brian. We will be streaming live on Twitch later this evening, but we're also going to be posting the uh, recording on YouTube for those who missed the live show. But lots of fun entertainment to- topics we're going to talk about. And I also, I host the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Basically what we do there is we talk news around the world, politics, and so forth. So much stuff going on in this beautiful, crazy world of ours that somebody's got to talk about it, right? So we drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. On this show here, we drop new episodes every Monday and Friday. If you ever want to be a guest on Against the Match Wrestling Podcast or if you have any questions or statements for Donnie or myself, be sure to email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. And that's olkentucky spelled out. 99 at yahoo.com. All right, so we'll go ahead and get things underway here. Uh, we always start off the show normally with a segment called My Fantasy Booking. This is basically when Donnie picks a wrestler and I pick a wrestler. It's either current wrestler or past performing wrestler. And if they were booked a little bit different or some tweaks made in their career at a certain company, then they could have had a completely different outlook, completely different career trajectory, and maybe even been successful in the company that they were eh, not so successful in. So as always, Mr. Cage, if you'd like to start us off, sir, the floor is yours. Thank you, Kentucky guy. By my recollection, I do not think that I have selected a female wrestler to do a fantasy booking for to date. So I'm going to change it up a little bit tonight, and I am going to talk about a female wrestler. A female wrestler that is one of, if not my favorite female wrestler of all time. So, before I get into the actual fantasy booking component, I want to just talk a little bit about the accolades and all of the accomplishments in the career of Ms. Kia Stevens, a.k.a. Awesome Kong in TNA Wrestling, and also uh, known as Karma in WWE. 
She was the All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling World Single Champion. She was the World Tag Team Champion there, along with Japanese wrestling legend Aja Kong. She was the AWA Superstars World Women's Champion. She was the NWA World Women's Champion. She was the Pro Wrestling World 1 Women's Champion, along with the Zero One Mac Women's Champion, the Resistance Pro Wrestling Women's Champion, and of course, most famously, a two-time TNA Knockouts Champion, a one-time TNA Knockouts Tag Team Champion, the 2015 Queen of the Knockouts, the 2016 participant in the Knockouts division of the Gauntlet for the Gold, and in 2021, she was officially inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame, an elite class that includes people like Team 3D, Kurt Angle, Jeff Jarrett, Gail Kim, Sting, the list goes on and on. Why am I talking about all of her accomplishments? Well, in 2011, she made her debut in WWE under the ring name Karma. And she would come out, after, after a series of vignettes aired for several weeks, she would come out and she would attack different Divas champions, which included Michelle McCool and the Bella Twins. It seemed like she had her eye on former Divas champion Kelly Kelly. But before there could be any proper resolution to this storyline, she actually went out on maternity leave. Now... Unfortunately, in real life, she did suffer a miscarriage, and which is, for anyone who is a parent or a um, hopeful parent, is a very heart-wrenching thing to go through, both physically and mentally. She would, however, make an appearance in the 2012 Royal Rumble matchup. And keep in mind, back then, there was only one Royal Rumble. It was for the men. So she was only one of three females at that time who competed in the Men's Royal Rumble. She actually eliminated Hunico from the match before being eventually tossed out by Dolph Ziggler. But shortly after her appearance in the Men's Royal Rumble, she was released from the company. So without having wrestled an actual match, whether it was a singles match, triple threat, tag team match... WWE just decided, we're just going to get rid of this elite female wrestler. I, I mean, I just, to this day, don't understand it. She had a unique look. She stood out from the rest of the crowd, especially during that era, and could have done so much to enhance the women's division of WWE at that time. And they just did absolutely nothing with her in the less than year that she was there. So, Kentucky guy... Your thought. Did you really just call Awesome Kong an elite athlete? <laughs> okay, so, uh, oh, okay, so maybe, maybe WWE could have done something a little bit better with her, possibly, but, bro, she's Nia Jax 2.0. She's just a big girl. She's just fat. She's not, I mean, she has no athletic ability whatsoever. And for her to, Michelle McCool, really? You think she's going to beat Michelle McCool for the title? I mean, son, I don't know what's going on with you here lately in your picks for fantasy uh, booking, but wow. And yeah, of course she has all those accolades. Do you recall what you said before each of those accolades? Impact. 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 Yeah, TNA, which totally stinks back then. And now, boy, oh boy. Okay, so, uh, well, let's give you guys what you came for, a real fantasy booking. Here we go. So my fantasy booking this episode is none other than Rando Mario Poffo, better known to all of us. By his ring name. Oh yeah. The Macho Man. Randy Savage. So Randy Savage. I want to go over his career real quickly. And then I'll get to the gift of what I'm talking about. So Savage was described by sports writer Bill Simmons. As one of the greatest pro wrestlers. Who ever lived. Now originally. Randy Savage was signed by the St. Louis Cardinals organization as a catcher right out of high school. 
He was placed in the minor leagues to develop where he mostly played as an outfielder in the Cardinals, and he also played on the Cincinnati Reds farm system as well. But that career came to an end once he injured his natural right throwing shoulder after a collision at home plate. Savage first broke into the wrestling business in 1973 during the fall and winter of the baseball offseason. His first wrestling character, the Spider, was similar to Spider-Man. He later took the ring name Randy Savage at a suggestion of his longtime friend and trainer Terry the Goose Stevens and Georgia Championship Wrestling Booker Ole Anderson, who said that the name Poffo did not fit someone who wrestled like a savage. The Macho Man nickname was adopted after his mother, Judy Poffo. She read a Reader's Digest article predicting that the phrase Macho Man would be, <laughs> would be the next hot term. Savage eventually decided to end his baseball career and become a full-time wrestler, working with his brother and his father. He wrestled his first match against Midwest Territory wrestler Golden Boy Paul Christie. He worked with his father and brother in Michigan, the Carolinas, Georgia, the the Martins, the East Tennessee Territory, ran by Nick Gulas. Now, a funny a, a, a fact here, the Popos, Leapin' Lanny, the Macho Man, and his father, they wrestled about 20 minutes from where I live here in the great state of Kentucky for many, many years before they actually got famous. In June of 95, Savage signed with Vince McMahon. Billed as the top free agent in pro wrestling. Savage's first appearance on Tuesday Night Titans featured several established managers, including, and I watched this rerun, this was pretty great, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Jimmy Hart, Mr. Fuji, Johnny Valiant, Classy Freddie Blassie, all there, and they all wanted Savage to become Savage's manager. He declined all their offers <laughs> and ended up choosing Miss Elizabeth as his new manager. His gimmick was a crazed egomaniac bully who mistreated Miss Elizabeth and threatened anyone who even looked at her. Now, let's talk about his career in the WWE real quick. During his time in the WWE, he was or the WWF, he was the Intercontinental Champion. And he was also the world heavyweight champion two different times. During this run in the WWF, he had created the mega powers with Hulk Hogan and eventually turned on him over jealousy over Miss Elizabeth. However, Hulk Hogan was, all the way to the end from my understanding, one of Randy Savage's true friend outside of wrestling. From 1995 to 2004, Savage went and joined the WCW, just like Hulk Hogan. At World War III, Savage won his first WCW World Heavyweight title by winning the first ever 60-man three-ring battle royal. He lost the title to Ric Flair at Starcade in, in 95. He defeated Hirogia Tenzei and won his second heavyweight world championship back. Now, he won the title. The, he was a WCW, WCW world heavyweight champion on four different occasions. In 96, he actually brought Miss Elizabeth with him into the WCW, WCW as his manager once again, but she turned on Savage, and that's how he lost his last ever title to Ric Flair. He then, of course, joined the NWO and, and what have you. And that's where he ended his career in WCW. So here is the main question that I had when I was researching the Macho Man. He had plenty of opportunities, but why was he never offered to ever come back to the WWE? Because he was a two-time WWF heavyweight champion and 
a WWF Intercontinental Champion. Also, he was an eight-time World Heavyweight Champion in eight different promotions. So why was he never called back to the WWE? Well, after doing some research, I found out. And once again, ego plays the major factor. So here we go. By 1994, though it was rare to see Savage uh, in his multicolored ring attire step into the ring, he spent most of his time providing color commentary alongside boss Vince McMahon. And he was very good at color commentary. Savage had that voice and he could just, oh yeah, he could just get into it. The problem was, Macho Man still felt he had a lot to offer inside the ring and wanted to go back to wrestling full-time. This led him to join Hulk Hogan in the rival promotion WCW, becoming a main event star again in the process. Savage and McMahon had grown, had grown close personally over the years, and to McMahon, this was a big betrayal. McMahon held a grudge and did not want to work with Savage ever again. While that might seem like a weird justification for McMahon to not want to do business with Savage going forward, especially since Hulk Hogan jumped to WCW as well, but later returned to the WWE, Savage is said to have promised McMahon he wouldn't follow Hogan. McMahon took Savage at his word and felt that Savage had lied to him. This makes a lot more sense than the widely spread online urban legend asserting that Savage was blacklisted by the WWE after he was caught having sex with a teenage Stephanie McMahon. It's unclear exactly how that rumor started, but that's just a rumor, and there was never any concrete evidence to support it. So once again, Vince McMahon, as a superstar that actually held his title twice, his world championship title twice, and because of his pride, he does not allow after, and we all know, for a long time, the running joke was, you can't burn bridges with the WWE. You can always go back. He would not let this superior athlete back into his organization, and I think it was just silly. Your thoughts? So, Kentucky guy, normally I would think of a way to, um, to have a little bit of a rebuttal to say I don't agree with your pick 100%. However, in this case, I got into, into wrestling when I was only five or six years old, and of course, one of the big stars in the WWF at that time was, oh yeah, the macho man Randy Savage. And there is no, no, no way in heck I am going to throw Randy Savage under the bus. One of the biggest stars of his day, one of the guys that got me into wrestling, I thought he was really done dirty during his final days in the WWF and even to some degree when he went to WCW because even though he did hold the world title a couple of times and I do have to correct you on this um, uh, Kentucky guy his first two title reigns he he, uh, he he obviously won the title from the World War III Battle Royal in 1995 but when he won his second world title he actually beat Ric Flair for it uh, on an episode of Nitro. Then when he won his third and final title in 1999, it was in a tag team match where he pinned Kevin Nash, who was the champion at the time. The title reign only lasted one night, though, because he um, he lost the belt to, uh, to Hulk Hogan the next day. And that was his fourth and final title reign. Um, but Randy Savage, one of the all-time greats, I really wish he had been booked stronger in WCW, even though he had world title reigns. They were very short-lived, but he's still a legend, and I think it's a good pick that you made for fantasy booking. Yeah, so uh, you're right. He lost the title, his first title, to Ric Flair a month later at Starcade in 95. The World Cup of Wrestling earlier that night, he defeated Hiroshia Tazian. Then he won his second WCW World Heavyweight Championship back from Flair on January 22nd, 1996, episode of Nitro. So, yeah. And then he lost it again to Flair the next month in a steel cage match at Super Brawl. So, correct who you want, buddy. <laughs> All right. So, uh, 
Let's move on to something we haven't done in a while. And this is wrestling news and rumors around the water cooler. All right, so let's get into it. And this is actual news. What we're going to report right now is definite, not hearsay, not rumor, nothing of that nature. Here we go. And basically, I'm going to talk about this one subject, and then I'll let you chime in, Mr. Cage. If you haven't heard, the wrestling world has been turned upside down as Stephanie McMahon has resigned as co-CEO of WWE. Now, there's many speculations, but I done a little bit of digging and a little bit of research to find out what was going on. So, the first thing is, we all know, well, let's just read this one article that I found. Dug way deep. Somebody was trying to find. Anyways, Nick Khan was a buffer who kept things smooth in WWE between Vince and Stephanie McMahon. There will, there will be some friction between family members anytime they work together in a business. And the WWE was no different for the McMahon family. For years, Vince McMahon ran the ship as chairman and CEO, while Stephanie worked as an executive, and Paul, Triple H, was a talent before transitioning into an executive. That dynamic changed when Vince resigned from his duties amid the hush money scandal over the summer. Stephanie was named chairwoman and shared responsibilities as co-CEO with Nick Khan. At the same time, Triple H took over the main roster of creative. Last week, Vince elected himself back to the WWE Board of Directors as he looks to sell the company. Although Stephanie put on a strong face in a meeting with employees hours after the announcement was made, she resigned from the company this past Tuesday while Vince was officially named chairman of the board. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported, that those close to the situation in the WWE tried to present her decision to leave as being related to the decision last year. She claimed at that time that she wanted to reevaluate her life, raise her three daughters, spend time with the family, especially after Triple H's serious heart situation. However, when the hush money scandal came out with Vince, she returned to the company, working more than ever. But that doesn't explain why this was a resignation. And she left the board and cut all ties with the company she's worked for since she was a teenager. It was also conceded that she and Vince did have issues in working together as family members and how Khan was a buffer who kept things smooth between them, between her and Vince and Vince and Triple H. Now, there's one major thing that I want to also say about this that I found out later on, later on, and that was there's an interesting note in this story with Stephanie McMahon resigning. Sources tell us that Stephanie McMahon and her husband, Triple H, the company's chief content officer and retired professional wrestler, had opposed do oppose any type of sell of the WWE. This puts a whole new twist on her resignation announcement. It was noted in company filings that the WWE board voted unanimously in December that Vince should not return. Stephanie McMahon and Triple H were on that board in December. As has reported, there are several potential buyers and the hope is the company will be sold by mid-2023. If the sale happens, it will be interesting to see if Hunter quietly retires or him and his wife start a new venture. Wow, that's a whole lot. That's a whole lot. There is trouble in paradise. And I want to kill one other thing before I go to you, Mr. Cage. I want to kill this rumor that I know you've all heard and it's a rumor, and it was a lie, and it's not true. Saudi Arabia is not buying 
the WWE as of right now. They're in contention. There's a bunch of people in contention, but there was a rumor earlier this week that they had bought it. They have not. There is no, and I have this, there's concrete evidence, facts, facts, not evidence, concrete facts. No one has bought the WWE as of yet. So your thoughts, sir, on the first piece of news? It was certainly an interesting week, I'll, uh, I'll say that much. Um, when Stephanie McMahon walked away from WWE last year, I assumed she was done with the company and the wrestling business. She wanted to spend time at home with her family, like you said, reevaluate her life, but wasn't looking to get back into the WWE fold, at least not anytime soon. And then the whole thing with Vince, uh, with Vince happened. The hammer dropped, and he was gone. And she came back and was named co-CEO alongside Nick, alongside Nick Khan. And Triple H was the head of creative, which is something people have been asking for for several years now. So everything looked great, sounded great. And then the news broke that Vince had inserted himself back onto the board of directors, which technically, as the majority shareholder in the company, he can still do. But I knew there was going to be a ripple effect. I knew people were not going to be happy about it. I didn't necessarily think it was going to lead to Stephanie McMahon resigning, but I knew there was going to be a lot of controversy. And as far as the rumors about the sale are concerned, I also heard the same rumor that you did about Saudi Arabia, but by the next day, that rumor had already been squashed, and they said, yeah, the Saudi Arabia is one of the potential buyers. But I have also heard that there is another potential buyer that could be in the mix. And I want to get your thoughts on this Kentucky guy. Probably a part of and that. What's that? I said, I probably got it wrote down here. Part is the news. Are you talking about the uh, Khan family? Yes. So the, there was a rumor that Tony Khan and the Khan family. Yes. This is the same Tony Khan that owns AEW and ring of honor could possibly be in the buying pool for the WWE. Now, just to, before you go on, sir, just a caveat on that. That is that is no longer a rumor. That is fact. He is in talks. Is him and his family are in talks with the Vince McMahon, and they are even considering having Vince McMahon having a role in the company. They are will. They are wanting to do a merger. It doesn't mean that they bought it, but he is. Just hours after the Barons.com report about Shad and Tony Khan's interest in buying WWE, CNBC is reporting that they are interested in merging the AEW and the WWE brand. So this is this is fact. Doesn't mean they bought it, but it is actually serious. When I first heard this and did some research, I heard, yeah, they've talked about it, but nobody's taking it serious. This is not a long shot scenario. And they are having talks with Vince McMahon and Nick Khan. Go ahead. I just want to throw that in there for you. No, I appreciate the additional context because, again, I just read about this yesterday, I think, and thought to myself, okay, is this just wishful thinking? Is this people going like, oh, yeah, Tony Khan's going to buy out his competition. It's going to be like WWF buying WCW back in the day, only it's going to be the opposite. This is a very different situation people need to understand from when WWF bought WCW back in 2001. First of all, WCW's financial value at the time was only was just a few million dollars. Vince McMahon got it dirt cheap when he bought it from AOL Time Warner. WWE nowadays is a publicly traded company that is worth hundreds of million dollars as I understand it. So this isn't like they're buying it. They'd be buying it for pocket change if it happens. But there are still other investors in in the pool. Nothing is set in stone, but this is just one possibility. Yeah, and I have to say one thing. The cons, they've got the money. They, they, if, they, you know, if they really do pull and see it's a sound investment, and these, these, these guys, they, well, let's put it this way. They have the ability to get the capital to buy something like the WWE, which I know sounds crazy. But as you mentioned, there's a number of buyers 
including uh, Andover is one of the companies, Comcast, Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund. They're still in the mix. So just as you mentioned, there are plenty of people out there that are looking to purchase the WWE. I hope that this is all just some big work and you know maybe they just go private or something and stop and go off the stock exchange and stop this nonsense i i just and i know we roll with the punches we roll with changes it's just odd thinking of somebody else owning this company it's odd thinking triple h who has done such a bang-up job no longer over the roster it's just, a, it's just, it's a, it's something very hard to swallow. And I didn't believe the Saudi Arabia thing when I first heard it, but boy, oh boy, a lot of fans did. And if, if you're on Twitter and you follow the WWE, oh boy, they were losing their mind. Something also kind of interesting, and we wish her a speedy recovery. Stephanie McMahon shared a photo from her hospital bed. She, after undergoing surgery for her ankle issue. In a photo posted on Instagram, Stephanie was seen smiling and waving from her bed with a cast on her leg. She captioned the picture, Busy week. Thank you, Dr. Waltroff, a sports medicine and orthopedic center, for fixing my ankle. So evidently, she's had surgery this week as well, the same week that she resigns from the WWE. One other thing. William Regal is officially back in the WWE and his official title is Vice President Global Talent Development. And basically what that tells me is he's not going to be tied down to just NXT, but he's going to have a little bit of a little bit of say so on the main rosters as far as Raw and SmackDown as well and maybe even the new NXT Europe that they're getting ready to launch. So that's pretty cool. And one other thing I want to throw in there, and I'll turn it over to you, sir. Cody Rhodes, and this was not in a magazine, this was not in a, any articles or anything, but I have this from a personal source that Cody Rhodes is 100% healed and ready to go. He's one, don't, I don't care what the vignettes say, he's 100% ready to go. Does not mean that he's coming back at the Royal Rumble, but he is 100% fully signed off on, ready to rock, back in the ring. And I think that's great news. Your thoughts, sir, on those items? Yeah, um, as far as the Stephanie McMahon thing goes, it it does make me kind of wonder, because she was going to go undergo this surgical procedure, did that sort of coincide with her also resigning from her position uh, in the WWE? Because again, I mean, Ankles are a, are a weird thing. The human body itself is a weird thing. We don't know how much recovery time she's looking at, and that could have played a factor. I'm sure there's more going on behind the scenes, the, the more more things going on in that head of hers, but we do wish her a speedy recovery. Uh, William Regal being back in WWE as a global head of talent development. I, I mean, I, I couldn't have done it better myself, honestly. That's a brilliant move. This guy has always had a great mind for the business and a great eye for talent. So I think that this is great. WWE is going to do this. And also, if I am understanding the way his contract is structured correctly, and please correct me, Kentucky guy, if I'm wrong here, he basically agreed with AEW when he was going to be leaving that company to go back to the WWE. They said, now... You can take on a backstage role. We have no issue with that, but we do ask that you do not play an on-camera character for like the next. I think it was. Uh, I think it was maybe like the remainder of the year, or maybe through next year. I don't know the length of time, but I think that was one of the uh, one of the terms of his uh, release from AEW. 90, 90 day uh, no compete clause. Ninety day no complete clause. Okay, so that makes sense, but. Uh, but yeah, I think it, I think it's great that he's back with the company. I know he had wanted to come back for some time. Um, so great move by WWE hiring him back. And and as far as the and I mean as far as the last uh, item, <coughs> excuse me, 
Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Um, I think this is great. It's great timing. Um, I would love to see him obviously be a, be a competitor in the Royal Rumble this year, but if they, but they might hold it off. They might hold it off until the night after the Royal Rumble to bring him back, which wouldn't be a bad thing. As far as what their plans are for him this year at WrestleMania, we don't know. Um, I still feel like there's a lingering storyline with him and Seth Rollins that they need, that they need to close the door on. Because Seth Rollins, from a storyline perspective, is the one who put him on the shelf after he suffered that pectoral injury. So they need to they need to finish out that story. And as far as could we see Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? It's certainly a possibility. We still don't know though what is going to happen with The Rock. I mean that's been rumored now for a couple of years, and it's going to be WrestleMania in Hollywood. So we'll have to wait and see. But Cody Rhodes back. Cody Rhodes 100% ready to go whenever they need him. It's a great thing. And then two pieces of news on the AEW side of things. Uh, the first thing is, is Adam Cole, one of my favorite wrestlers. We were just talking about him on the last episode or the one right before. He is out of concussion protocol, and he is back, baby. Adam Cole is back. He was on Dynamite this week. Announcing that he was back and ready to go. I thought that was great. Also, MJF came out and he done a promo. And in his promo, he pointed out a couple different Freddie Prince Jr. And there was somebody else in the audience that he pointed out as well. However, he overlooked a former WWE star that was actually in the audience as a fan watching the promo. The former WWE star actually took to Twitter to upload a video of himself sitting ringside during and watching MJF's promo. And that superstar was none other than Chris Masters. Interesting. Haven't heard anything out of Masters in a very long time. I don't know if I would call him a WWE superstar. I mean, he was okay. He was a star. But, uh, anywho. He was there at ringside during the Dynamite taping. Very interesting. Your thoughts on AEW, sir? Well, first and foremost, we all know concussions are not to be joked about. Adam Cole was out with a very serious concussion since since uh, after the Forbidden Door pay-per-view last year. So I am glad to see that he's healthy and he's going to be back in the ring in the near future. He's a talent, there's no question about it, and he adds a lot of value to the AEW product, but please, please, for the love of God, keep him away from the world title. Put him in the All-Atlantic Championship uh, contention, the TNT title, basically every title except the world title. I mean, he's really good talent, but he's, he's not a world champion, unfortunately, in my opinion. But um, as far as the current world champion, MJF, this was this was interesting, him walking by Chris Masters. Now, the only problem I have with this whole storyline is that when was the last time Chris Masters was actually relevant? Um, I mean, we all know he had a great look back in the day and a lot of potential, but he never really got to that point in WWE, which was kind of strange. You would have thought he would, he would have had the look that they're going for and that they would have pushed him, but they didn't. He popped up in Impact Wrestling for a little while. I know they had him paired up with uh, Eli Drake, who now wrestles as L.A. Knight in WWE. Um, I don't know if this was just kind of a one-time thing or if maybe Masters is going to start to become MJF's on-camera bodyguard, similar to what Wardlow was uh, back in the day. I mean, they could do worse as far as picking people out for that role. But if people are going to suddenly get their hopes up that Chris Masters is going to become a main eventer in AEW, well, they need to... <laughs> They need to just uh, uh, keep, keep that in their imagination because that's that's not likely going to happen. MJF is here to stay for the time being as world champ, and that's just the way it is. You have literally lost your mind. Adam Cole is not a world champion. Excuse me. Every organization that this guy has wrestled for, he has been the world heavyweight champion. NXT, Ring of Honor, and the list goes on. Wow. Keep him away from the world title scene? Please. And if MJF, who everybody knows is my boy, 
If he wasn't the champion right now, I would say put Adam Cole in there right this second. He's got the looks. He's got the talent. It's Adam Cole. How dare you? How dare you? I can't even believe those words came out of your mouth. We got to move on before I lose my cool. Let's move on to AEW Dynamite results. First match. Shocking match to me. The ending. Hangman Adam Page actually defeats John Moxley. I didn't care about this match. Could care less. Don't have any 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 emotional ties to this match. However, I don't think Adam Page deserved to beat John Moxley, but he did. Odd, very odd. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, of course, they had the storyline going into this that uh, Moxley gave him a concussion, and as you saw post match, it's almost like they were implying that Moxley got a receipt for that concussion with a concussion of his own. So, kind of poetic in a way. Thought it was a good enough match. It makes sense to have Adam Page win this contest and get even with John Moxley. Probably get another match between the two of them down the road. But, uh, yeah, no uh, no complaints here for me. Uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and Hook defeated Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. No surprise there. Seen that coming. Decent match, I guess you could say, but they were completely dominant like I thought they would be. Your thoughts? Well, I like both guys, and it makes sense having them go over in most matches, but when I look at someone the size of W. Morrissey, I don't know. I just feel like he should squash both of them like a, like bugs, one, one with each hand. So, I don't know. Um, again, I'm a fan of both guys, but I don't like the fact that W. Morrissey had to put them over in this fashion so, I don't know. So, the other person that MJF called out was Dr. Ken. He called him out, and he mentioned The Hangover and talked about his failed sitcom that ended about six years ago. Freddie Prince Jr. was called out next, and MJF doesn't remember she's all that since he was born in 1996 and called him a Scooby-Doo douchebag. Love that line. Anyways, that was the other person I couldn't think of earlier was Dr. Kim. Brian Danielson, then we went to Brian Danielson's match, and he defeated Kansuke Takashita, however you pronounce it. No surprise there. We're not going to let Brian Danielson lose a match on live TV against this feller. No, no surprise whatsoever. Kind of a boring match in my opinion. Your thoughts? I mean, I also predicted the winner in this match, Brian Danielson, because he's going to be challenging MJF for the world title. Um, I don't think it was a boring match. I think both guys looked good in it, but the uh, but no, the outcome was uh, was pretty obvious that um, the American Dragon was going to win. And then we have once again Dr. Britt Baker carrying the women's world champion Jamie Hayter in a victory over Sierra and Tony Storm. By the way, no mention whatsoever of Sasha Banks' absence. None whatsoever. Kind of odd after they kind of sort of built it up the week prior. Your thoughts on that, Matt? Well, um, I think I predicted that Jamie Hayter and Dr. Britt Baker were going to win this match if Sasha Banks wasn't Soraya's partner, which that's what ended up happening. It was Tony Storm, who teamed with Soraya, as advertised. And if you notice, Kentucky guy, their, their close friend, Hikaru Shida, tossed a kendo stick in the ring at one point, which was picked up by Dr. Britt Baker and subsequently led to, the, uh, to her team winning. Yeah, that was no accident. Do you think that was an accident? That was no accident. She is mad because Sierra picked Tony Storm over her to be her partner. Yeah, it didn't look like an accident to me. I think it was very intentional. And then we have probably one of the best matches I've seen on AEW in quite a while. I really, really enjoyed this match. It was crazy. It was just, it was an amazing match. And that's the Elite once again winning their titles 4-3 to in the Trios titles match against Death Triangle. 
I thought this was a great match. I don't think anybody should leave this match with their head down. However, the right team won. Your thoughts? I think we both predicted the Elite to uh, win back the trio's title, and that's what ended up happening. And this match delivered, as we both predicted. No one looked bad in it. It's a win-win situation for the audience. All right, so let's look at Rampage's match card before we go to Raw results. On the match card, we have the Kings of the Black Throne. Malachi Black and Brody King takes on Eddie Kingston and Ortez. I'll, I'll do two matches at a time, and then we'll give our predictions. And then we have Ruby Soho and Willow Nightingale facing Anna Jay and Tay Melo in a street fight. So I have the House of Black winning the first one, and Anna Jay and Tay Melo winning the street fight. Your thoughts? I'm going to shock you with this answer, Kentucky guy. I agree with you on both, on both picks. I don't see any reason why the Kings of the Black Throne should lose to Eddie Kingston and Ortiz. If it was Santana and Ortiz going up against the Kings of the Black Throne, the Proud and the Powerful, former LAX, then I would say be a be a better match, honestly. But Eddie Kingston and Ortiz are not winning this match. And I also agree. I think that it's time for Anna Jay and Tay Mello to get a to get a leg up on uh, Willow Nightingale and Ruby Soho. So I think that those ladies are going to win. Uh, the ladies from the Jericho Appreciation Society are going to win the street fight. Oh, now we can start the show. Now you're finally waking up. All right. It took an hour, but all right. Now, there's only one more match to make a prediction on. The other two are just statements. Uh, looks like the Acclaim are going to get their star on the walk of fame. Stupid, stupid, in my opinion. Doesn't need to be a part of wrestling. These guys, the scissor me crap. It's, it's so boring and so over with let's move on from these guys. We'll also hear from the Golden Globe winner. Paul Walter Hauser. I don't know what that means. And then Darby Allen. Here's the here's the other match. Darby Allen's going to defend his TNT title against Juice Robinson. That should be a good match. Juice Robinson. I watched him a lot in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He can go. He can go. But I think Darby Allen's going to keep his title. But Juice can definitely go when he wants to. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be a good match, and I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, Juice is definitely someone with a lot of talent. There's been no real build-up to this match, though. It was just kind of randomly announced, so I don't see Darby dropping the TNT title with no build. Maybe in the future we'll get to see Juice um, get a get more of a proper push, and who knows, maybe, some, maybe someday he will take the TNT title off of Darby Allen. But no, it's definitely not going to be on this random episode of Rampage. Now, one thing I did want to mention before we move on to the WWE, I forgot to mention it during the, when we were talking about news and rumors, Andrade sent out a, a, a very odd tweet yesterday. And his tweet was a picture of his mask that he wore in AEW. And basically, it had a caption on it that said, Goodbye, maybe one day I'll be able to discuss everything that took place. Now, I don't know what that means. The last I heard, he still had like two more years on his contract with AEW. But I, I don't know. Very, very strange. Have you? Did you catch that tweet or do you have any thoughts on that? I, I read about the tweet. Um, I didn't... I, I mean, I saw. I mean, I saw it. Uh, even though I'm not very active on Twitter, but um, I don't know. I mean, th th this could just be this could just be Andrade working the audience, making them think he's not going to be back. I, I think a lot of wrestlers they try to get attention when they're not being used on TV that much. Uh, I, I would kind of take this with a grain of salt. I don't necessarily think he's completely done in AEW, even though I don't know what direction they have in mind for him. Yeah, I don't either, and we still don't know what's going on with Russo. He's not injured. He's not on an injured list, so I don't know what's up there either. Let's move on to Monday Night Raw results. Kevin Owens ended up in an impromptu match against 
Baron Corbin after Baron Corbin and JBL came out and kind of running their mouth while Kevin Owens was basically out there to address the Sami Zayn and Bloodline like he has been. He's a man on a mission. The match took place and Kevin Owens defeated Baron Corbin. No surprise there. Got good to see Kevin Owens in action. They are really building him up before this uh, match with Roman Reigns. I'm very, very curious about the must-win for Sami Zayn tonight on SmackDown as he faces Kevin Owens. Very interesting things going around this this theory right now and this everything that's going on with the Bloodlines and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So pretty, very interesting. It's been an entire year almost that they've been building it slowly, a slow burn. And we're getting to a head, I think. Uh, your thoughts on the match? Uh, well, well, the right guy won because Kevin Owens is the guy you're pushing as the serious threat right now to the to the championship held by Roman Reigns. Um, I, I, I got to be honest with you, Kentucky guy. I was willing to give the JBL Baron Corbin partnership a chance a while back, but they've really disappointed me. This has not been meeting my expectations. I almost kind of want them off of my uh, off of Monday Night Raw because I'm just so disgusted with the angle. But um, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens on SmackDown uh, tonight between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. It's going to be a good match. They always have a good match when they go up against each other. This seems like there's a lot riding on this match. On one hand, I think you have Roman Reigns has pretty much put into Sami uh, Zayn's mind that he has to win this match. And then on Kevin Owens' end, he needs the momentum going into the Royal Rumble to face Roman Reigns for the title. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all turns out. And then we have Alexa Bliss doing a promo which was actually interrupted by Uncle Howdy. Boy, didn't we just mention on the last episode, we wonder if Ray Ray Wyatt or Uncle Howdy is going to show up on Raw since neither neither of them were on SmackDown? Well, there you go. So Bless, Alexa Bliss gets up there and she calls herself the face of evil and said she had the whole world in her hands. Uh Uh-huh, sound familiar, guys? after attacking Bianca Belair on last week's Raw. Before she could continue, a video came on featuring clips of her from her time with Bray Wyatt before Uncle Howie appeared on the screen asking, Do you feel in control? Howdy then came through the entrance to the ramp, but he did not walk any further, but he stood there and he done his demonic laugh. I thought it was great. It does show that there is a struggle now between Alexa Bliss and Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt. It's not all three together at the moment. I think they're both. I think Bray Wyatt wants to have payback on her for costing him his match at WrestleMania. I think Uncle Howdy is trying to recruit her and get her back to the dark side. And I am I'm here for this. I'm enjoying this much more than I thought I would. Your thoughts? Well, I'm going to quote the great Jim Cornette and tell you what I really think about this angle. I hate every single aspect of this storyline. You've got Alexa Bliss, a former Raw and SmackDown women's champion who should be in the title mix, which she kind of is, but they got to do all this stupid crap with her being possessed by an evil spirit, in this case, Uncle Howdy. And he comes out wearing his cartoonish mask and his top hat. And are we supposed to be cowering in fear at this man? I just don't get this angle. Give Alexa Bliss her old persona when she was the goddess and had her own talk show and where she thought she was better than everybody. But this whole goofy, semi-horror movie storyline they got going with Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy is just ridiculous. Now, are you talking for yourself or just uh, acting like your favorite 
commentary. Well, here's here's what what I'm uh, what I'm gonna say about this angle. I'm bored. Get to the meat of the story. Is Uncle Howdy pulling Alexa Bliss's strings? Is he pulling Bray Wyatt's strings? What is going on here? Just give me answers. This slow burn approach, it's wearing me out, Kentucky Come guy. Come on, it's not, I mean, they've, they've, have you ever heard that old saying, great things come to those who wait? Gotta have a little bit of patience, man. I thought that this, I thought this was great. I thought this was great. From the actions of the week prior to where the upside down firefly kept coming on the screen, messing with her head, her freaking out, attacking the ref, then destroying Bianca Belair, to this week, her acting like that she is the new face of evil and that she's in control, and Uncle Howdy coming out and saying, Yeah, are you really in control, lady? Huh? Are you? Are you? <laughs> I'm here for it. Sorry you're not on board, brother. You know, but I'm all here for this. Bailey, 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 Bailey. She defeated Vashina via pinfall with a backslide. And then we'll talk about the next match, and then you can uh, give your uh, comments on both. Then Bobby Lashley returns, and he returns by attacking Austin Theory. Theory had argued with Seth Rollins, who revealed his knee injury was not serious enough to miss the Royal Rumble. Thank goodness. Uh, after Rollins left the ring, Lashley's music hit, and he returned for the first time since being fired in storyline four weeks prior. He immediately hit Theory with a spear and threw him from the ring, announcing his intention to win the Rumble. Interesting. Your thoughts on those two incidents? Well, it's good that Bailey picked up a victory again. Um, I mean, unfortunately, we, you and I both know she's not going to be back in the title hunt anytime soon because she had multiple opportunities to beat Bianca Belair or Ponytail, as you call her, um, and and didn't get the job done, unfortunately. But this is just a way to still have the former women's champion still look strong, and maybe she'll get back into title contention eventually. But, um, yeah, I mean... I don't really know what they're doing with Meechin, with uh, Mia Yim. She's sort of still tagging along with the OC. At least I think she is. I, I don't know. She's kind of she's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, and then as, and then as far as the as far as the next match, we um, Bo- or sorry, Bobby Lashley coming back. Um, this was a good way to bring him back. I mean, have him have him just walk in the ring and spear people out of their boots. That's what you want to do, and I, and I'm glad I'm glad that they're not continuing the storyline with him going after the United States title again. Bobby, it's time to put you back in the main event where you belong, man. I, I I'd love I I would love to see Bobby Lashley win the Royal Rumble. I don't think he's the favorite to win, but I wouldn't mind seeing him win because we haven't seen him clash with Roman Reigns in a very very long time. So, and I think that'd be an interesting matchup. Actually, will we get it? Who knows? But. I'd be there for it if that were to happen. Now, one one mistake I seen Bobby Lashley make, in my opinion, was earlier that night he turned down joining MVP in the hurt business. He needs to be a part of the hurt business. I, I really believe that. Yeah, he can he can do promos okay, but he's so much more dominant with MVP by his side. And could you imagine Cedric Alexander? Sheldon Benjamin, Bobby Lashley, and Omos. That's an unbeatable faction. He did shake hands with MVP, but he pretty much told him, no, not right now. I think that was a mistake on his part. Rhea Ripley once again defeated Candice LeRae via pinfall. (laughs) Which, I mean, yeah, Rhea Ripley needs to be, you know, she needs to win matches. She should be in the title hunt, definitely. She never got her title opportunity once she she had a title opportunity, got injured, and ever since she's been back, nobody's mentioned it. They act like it just went away. Weird. And then Solo Sequoia defeated Dolph Ziggler. No surprise there whatsoever. However, when they're talking about the Usos titles, if you haven't noticed, they keep talking about they're going to defend the Raw tag team titles. I don't know if you caught that or not, but it's kind of like maybe they're going to split the titles again. I don't know. 
But uh, your thoughts on these matches? Well, I'll start with the Usos. I mean, regardless of whether they have one set of belts or two sets of belts, they still broke the record for longest reigning WWE Tag Team Champions. So I think it's a smart move to split the belts up again because they never did officially unify the, the tag belts into one set of championships. So if the Usos were to lose, whether it's to Judgment Day or to another team, it would make sense to bring the Raw titles exclusively back to Raw. Um, Bobby Lashley possibly joining up with the Hurt Business again. I am once again would be there for it if they pull the trigger. I agree 100%. He's much better at doing promos when he's with MVP. He gets a little lost when he's by himself personally. Still great in the ring and still has an amazing look, but he's never been the best at promos. With MVP there to support him, he'll sound a lot more confident and, and it would just work for him. And obviously, you know, if he's supported by Shelton Benjamin... Uh, Almas and uh, Cedric Alexander. That would be that would be great as well. Rhea Ripley needs to win the Women's Royal Rumble, as far as I'm concerned. It has been way too long since she's been pushed back into the main event. I don't want to see Ronda Rousey or Becky Lynch or any of the familiar names in the women's title, uh, you know, you know, situation win the Rumble yet again. It's time to push someone new. Rhea Ripley's had so much momentum on her side when she's been with Judgment Day. Just, just give her a shot. Any, uh, any comments on uh, Solo beating Dolph Ziggler? <laughs> just that uh, I expected it to happen. Just, just like you did. I mean, Dolph's great. I'm always going to respect Dolph. Ma- amazing worker. But Solo's getting a Solo's getting a mega push right now, and I'm, I'm sure if he's in the Royal Rumble, he's going to eliminate quite a few people. Maybe he'll he'll even make it down to the uh, final four, if they're uh, if they're booking him really smartly. Yeah, he's a he's a beast, man. He's a beast. So on SmackDown, and we've come to expect this now from WWE. They don't put a whole lot out there for their match card beforehand, and basically they have two matches announced, and we we've already we already know about both of them. One is for the WWE Intercontinental Championship, Gunther. Versus Braun Strowman. And this match here, I'm going to pick the ring general, but barely. I think this is going to be a tough match. Maybe one of the toughest matches Gunther's had since being an Intercontinental Champion. And then the next match is Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. I've got to go with Sami Zayn on this one. And it, it kind of bothers me to pick him over Kevin Owens because... As you all know, I'm a I'm a Kevin Owens guy, but this is kind of a win or die situation, I think, with the bloodline, with that storyline continuing. So, but those are my two picks on the two matches that have been announced for SmackDown. What say you? The Intercontinental title match is going to be an interesting one. Gunther is definitely going to get taken to his limit. He's not going to be able to just throw Braun Strowman around like a rag doll. He's huge. I could see this match ending in some sort of disqualification. I don't think we're going to get a definitive end here. It could be uh, Strowman wins by disqualification, and then they have a rematch down the road, um, whether it's on another episode of SmackDown or whether it's at the Royal Rumble. Um, Or we could see these two clash in the Royal Rumble match. You never know. But, uh, yeah, I I don't see Gunther getting a definitive victory here in this match. Um. He'll still walk away Intercontinental Champion, but I don't think he's going to score a pinfall victory or anything like that. Um, and and then I mean, as far as the as far as the other match, whew, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This is a tough one to call here because you could go either way. I'm also going to go with Sami Zayn, but I think it's only because he's going to have the bloodline helping him out with scoring a victory. I don't think Roman himself is going to interfere in the match, but I think either the Usos or Solo Sokoa are going to end up helping uh, Sammy uh, score the victory here. Yeah, it's going to be definitely, definitely interesting. SmackDown in general, with everything that's happened in the WWE this week since Raw, is going to be interesting in itself. <laughs> so, and I, you know, sometimes shakeups like this are very good. So it can either really boost morale and boost competition. 
between athletes or it could deflate morale and deflate competition. So seeing how each superstar reacts on SmackDown tonight and how they carry themselves is something that I'm going to be looking very closely at to kind of see what mood the really the locker room in the back area is really in. But uh, that's all I have for today's episode, sir. How about you? Yeah, that's uh, really it for me, Kentucky guy. All right, folks. So you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. With your co-hosts, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky guy. God bless and God bless America. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to tune in for Monday's episode as well. Thank you, guys.